Welcome to Point by Point, conversations, interviews, and legal commentary for today's business professionals. Brought to you by Waller. Today, Waller's Lance Williams talks with Eric Salzo about the major concerns he's hearing from business owners and executives around the country. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. I guess the first question right out of the gate is, what are some of the biggest questions you're hearing from from clients and business owners you're talking to right now? Yeah, Lance. Um, so it's Friday, March 27th. If you'd asked that question a week ago, I would have said, um, you know, what, what happens when one of my providers, one of my employees um, tests positive for COVID-19 or what happens if a patient uh, who we saw couple days ago calls us and says that they've tested positive. Um, I think we've, we've worked through with most of our clients kind of the operational issues. Um, the, the second wave of issues were then, you know, government orders rolling out through various states in terms of essential businesses and am I an essential business? And do I have to remain open or can I remain open? Um, and, and now things are pivoting to the CARES Act, which was passed and, and what are the benefits under the CARES Act, and and how can I take advantage of um, of some of the relief legislation and relief packages, stimulus packages that are that are in there, um, particularly around you know the, the SBA loans and, and applicability for employers um, who employ 500 or fewer employees, um, and and how do you distinguish amongst particularly in the healthcare space and in the MSO and DSO space. How do you distinguish between management company, non-clinical personnel, and the, the actual practices and clinical personnel? And, and what does that mean for the analysis in terms of do I have more than or fewer than 500 individuals uh, in my employee? And it sounds like that's a, that's a big distinguishing factor. If you look at Families First uh, and some of the things that it provides for employees, uh, but then you also look at the CARES Act, uh, there, there's a difference there. There's a, a bit of a dividing line um, in terms of the number of employees and, and which companies are covered by which act and, and which law. Can, can you help us kind of walk through kind of what how companies are, are looking at that and trying to figure out, does this apply to me? Does this not help us kind of understand, um, you know, who's covered where and, and what companies need to be looking looking at in terms of which part of the line they fall on. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think um, as much as people joke about you know, the intelligence in Washington, I, I don't think that that they mistakenly chose 500 as the number for for both bills. You know, the whole goal of the the incentive packages and lumping them together was to is to keep. Um, Keeping Americans employed, receiving paychecks, hopefully off unemployment. Although if they they are unemployed under the CARES Act, there is uh, increased benefit at this point. Um, but but to allow them to continue to make their rent payments and their car payments, and and so that the whole economic engine of of the United States doesn't grind to a halt. And so, under Family First Act, you know the the idea was if you if you have fewer than five hundred employees, you're mandated to provide a certain amount of paid leave. Um, and then you, you turn around and under the CARES Act, if you have fewer than 500 employees, you're allowed to access SBA loans um, that have, you know, in, in my opinion, fairly favorable terms, right? Um, 4% and you can get up to a multiple on your, your average monthly expenses, really. It's you know, payroll, 
uh, rent expenses and, and uh, interest and debt expenses that you've incurred over the past year. Um, and so it allows you to kind of offset, right? On the one hand, they want you to keep folks employed and they've got a burden tied to that uh, in the form of the Family First Act. And then they turn around and allow you to get the benefit of the CARES Act if you meet certain criteria through the small business loan. And so I think um, the two interplay well together and hopefully we'll, we'll achieve what, what Congress wanted them to. Um, but the questions that we're getting now from, from folks are really around, um, you know, as I said earlier, the, the, the question of um, who is the employer and how many employees report to that employer for, for affiliation purposes um, under, under the CARES Act and, and can they qualify for the SBA loan? So talk to us a little bit about the, the, the um, you know, when you're talking with, with employers, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that they're, they're thinking about uh, maybe over the next um, 30 to 60 days? What are, what are some of the, the challenges that they're really kind of wrestling with right now? Yeah, I think, I think you know, there's a difference between uh, liquidity and solvency, right? And I think a number of, a number of clients, um, there's not a going concern issue for them in terms of solvency and whether or not they have the ability to, to as a business, remain in operation. They do have a potential liquidity problem here, though, especially the smaller practices or the group practices um, that really live off of you know 70 or 80% of their uh, AR is collected within the first 30 days. Well, you know, we're, we're running up pretty close to or pretty quickly on, on a 30 day window. And after that, really no money is going to be coming in. And so it's, it's how to, how do the companies survive once their revenue dips down through no, no fault of, of really anybody, right. Through the government order or through the, the natural progression of people not um, going to see their, their providers or, or, or certain, you know, going to certain companies to, to spend their money. And so um, I think, the, the CARES Act is going to provide, hopefully, um, kind of the blowout valve for the folks that are, are running up against that liquidity crunch in terms of how they can keep paying rent, uh, keep paying the, the landlord, uh, keep paying their employees and their employee benefits expenses and really bridge over to what will hopefully be a quick turnaround and, and the V-shaped recovery that everybody is looking for, um, but, but will hopefully bridge them across these, these troubled times. Gotcha. And, and you look at so many providers that, that you know, currently aren't um, seeing a regular patient load or, or, or having, having folks come through the door. Are, are there concerns they have to have? So, so let's say that, you know, something is lifted in two weeks or three weeks. What are some concerns they need to think about in terms of getting back to normal or trying to get back to normal? What, what are some things that, that they need to be thinking about uh, in terms of ramping back up? It's not just um, are they going to be able to, to really unlock the door and let patients come in. You know, in certain certain jurisdictions, they're not allowed to now. Will they be able to in in two weeks or three weeks? I, I don't know. Um, but it's more about uh, will the patients come at that point, right? If if you are um, largely elective procedures, uh, maybe, maybe more in the cosmetic world um, or the vanity world. Uh, are, are patients going to come to a medical set, setting um, and risk being exposed, you know, whatever the risk is uh, in your in your particular jurisdiction and geography um, for that elective uh, procedure? 
if something is, is borderline elective, are they, you know, where, where are they going to, where are patients going to draw the line and actually, actually come out of their homes? Um, I do think that when the all clear sound, whatever that, whatever that sounds like or looks like is given, I think people want to get out and want to spend money and go back, you know, restaurants and plays. Um, but I, I, I just think if, if it's in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a lot of hesitancy to get back in large groups or get back in, in, public um public businesses where you're, you're maybe sitting in a waiting room with other folks and so i think thinking through the things that you can do to assure the patients that that your waiting room your exam rooms um are safe and sterile and and you've taken on additional procedures to help to continue to flatten the curve right it's not just going to get shut off um, we're, we're going to be dealing with this for for some months um in the future. And so, so I think assuring patients that you're addressing it appropriately is, is one thing that folks need to do. So much has been happening in the last couple of weeks. Then there have been so many questions related to operational things. Um, how do you think businesses are going to be able to make this shift from being reactive to thinking proactively about the future? What, what does that process look like and feel like? And, and at what point do you think businesses will be able to start shifting their thinking again. So I think, um, you know, I think if, if you had asked us four weeks ago, if, if we were going to be living in the scenario that we're living in now in terms of, you know, most folks working from home and, and there being government orders around the country to, to shut down non-essential services. Um, I think, I think a lot of folks would have said that's an overreaction, but it's now our reality. And so I think that for the past week, week plus, um, people have been backpedaling, right? And, and put on their heels a little bit in terms of reacting to this, reacting to the patient that calls them up to say, hey, I was in your office three days ago and I was, I was just diagnosed with COVID-19 or the provider or providers calling you, um, you know, just as you're about to open the doors saying, hey, I know I was in yesterday and I know I interact with all these people. I'm now showing symptoms um, and reacting to what that means for the operations and for your your obligations with regards to your patients and your other employees. So everyone has been very much necessarily reacting to the scenario. I think we're going to we're going to see and I have seen over the course of this week um you know the business leaders pivoting from that reaction, you know putting out the fires that they can to how do we how do we address this um in a proactive way? How do we kind of circle up the troops and determine the best path forward. And I think the passage of the CARES Act in conjunction with, with the Family First Act is, is going to allow some certainty for the business folks over this weekend to sit down and crunch the numbers and figure out what it means in terms of whether or not they are going to lay people off next week, whether or not they're going to furlough folks, or whether or not they're going to try to you know, patch it together for, for the foreseeable future, um, you know, given, given the opportunities under the, under the CARES Act and the SBA loans and, and whatnot. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, let's talk a little bit about sort of the M&A landscape. And, um, you know, obviously it's probably different now than, than what we were hearing 30 days ago. But what are you, what are you hearing right now and what do you think that um, happens to the pipeline over the next, next three months, six months? They're looking to, to, uh, to run towards the fire and, and are looking for opportunities in this, in this kind of downturn in time of uncertainty. And I think there's going to be a number of groups that, that maybe use this opportunity to, to throw up their hands and say, I, you know, 
I do want to sell and, and get out. And so I think we're going to see um, certainly not the the activity that we had for the beginning of, of Q1 here in 2020. Um, we're not going to see that continue over the next couple of weeks um, and months, but I do think that we're going to see continued activity. We've, we as a, a firm have, have been closing deals um, throughout all of this and, and the number has gone down and certainly the, the you know, good number of the active deals have gone pencils down. Um, but again, I think, I think over the past two weeks, week and a half, two weeks, people have been reacting and the, the immediate, and I think smart reaction in the face of all this uncertainty is to say, let's just, let's just go pencils down right now and, and kind of get a feel for, for where things are. And I think as we get, get a sense for the duration and real impact of this, we're going to see a number of those deals pick back up. Um, we're going to see new, new LOIs get inked. And, and I think it, it is going to, it is going to pick up, you know, the fact of the matter is there is still a whole lot of cash sitting on the sidelines. Um, and, and some of it has probably been deployed over the past couple of weeks in ways that two or three weeks ago, nobody thought it would have been deployed, but, but there's still a lot of cash out there and a lot of folks looking to, to make acquisitions. So I think as we get certainty and clarity um, into, into kind of the impact of this on the economy and, and the duration, I think we're going to see things pick up again. And it sounds like you, you think that there may be some providers that this may give them an opportunity to take a second look and decide is now, you know, do we want to stick with it or do we want to look at, at uh, uh, potentially looking for, for suitors? Is that, is that something you think we'll, we'll, we'll see more of too? Yeah. You know, I do a lot of my work in the, the large Dell group DSO space. And um, I think this, this is a perfect example of, you know, the benefits of being, of affiliating with a, with a large DSO who has the resources to work through, you know, Family First Act and the CARES Act, they're, they're not, um, you know, five-page bills. They're massive bills with, with a lot of intricacies um, and, and interpreting them and applying them and making sure you get the best benefits. That, that's not the job of, you know, the dentist with five or 10 or 15 offices who, who doesn't have the resources of some of these large groups, nor should it be. And so I think it, it just goes to, to prove out that, that, um, you know, as businesses become more involved in various healthcare, um, specialties and, and healthcare arenas that, that the providers will see that, that maybe that's a viable alternative to, you know, going it alone. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's right. And I think, but I, I also think it's an opportunity for, for those um, smaller groups to, to really entrench themselves and, and, you know, show their, show their uh, teams that, about their uh, employment culture and, and why, um, you know, why they can, uh, or how they can, can help their uh, employee family, um, you know, kind of get through this tough time too. Thank you. Last question. Uh, you know, you talk about uh, folks sitting down this weekend, really kind of crunching the numbers. Uh, do you have any, you know, any thoughts on on uh, either a key question or a key thought that they need to keep in mind uh, when they're they're going through that process this weekend? Any any kind of any advice that uh, should kind of be a a leading thought as they're they're working through uh, working through issues? Yeah, we're. we're um putting together some materials on this now, but, but the, um, particularly under the SBA loan, right. The concept of affiliation historically, um, certain groups have been excluded from SBA loans just because of their structure. But I think if you, if you think through, um, 
your structure and, and particularly around the MSO DSO space where you have these independent practices, think about whether or not, um, whether or not the SBA loan is an opportunity for, for you, um, or, or your affiliated practices and I'm using the term affiliate there, um, kind of in the, in the traditional sense, not in the SBA sense. And so I think parsing that out, uh, a lot of folks should, should think about that instead of taking the initial reaction of, you know, SBA loans don't, don't apply to private equity groups or private equity platform, um, uh, companies, um, th- there may be some ways to, to work it in. So I think being thoughtful about that is, is going to be really important going into kind of the next week and, and crunching the numbers to see, to see what your path forward looks like. Great. Thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time and uh, best of luck uh, in the weeks ahead. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Point by Point, brought to you by Waller. Visit the news and insights section of our website to listen to more episodes, subscribe to the podcast, find show notes and more.